This is Father Kevin Hale with a homily for the third Sunday of Advent, the 13th of December. One of my childhood simple pleasures was the daily opening of a window on the Advent calendar. It was exciting to find a picture of an angel or an awestruck donkey and how quaint it all seems now because Soon, confectioners saw an opportunity and launched alternative calendars with little chocolate inducements. I mean, which would you choose, the donkey or a chocolate? It was a no-brainer. And since then, advent calendars have become even more sophisticated, targeting the adult market. Advent, or as it's now called, the run-up to the big day, was formerly a time of reflection and perhaps a bit of patient, watchful abstinence. Even those who don't believe in Christ or Christmas understood that a feast ceases to be a feast if it's preceded by weeks of indulgence. But not now, because you can get adult Advent calendars with treats that range from tots of gin to jewellery. One benefit of the pandemic has been the halt to all the partying which has become the hallmark of Advent. But Advent aside, the entire year seems to have become one long opportunity for indulgence. All feasts and no fasts. Halloween elides into Christmas, which elides into Easter, but with intervening comfort stops for Mother's Day, Father's Day and Black Friday. How beguiled we are by the word treat, because you're worth it the advert whispers. Times change, certainly, and it's been a grim year, and some of us may need an incentive to get out of bed on these dark December mornings. But treats is not actually what Advent is all about. Last week I quoted C.S. Lewis, who said, We live in enemy-occupied territory, and nowhere is this more evident than at this time of the year. We're not Puritans, But during Advent, our lives are supposed to be challenged by the direct call to prepare, to change, by making our lives more godlike, more functional, less materialistic, and therefore more normal according to God's desire and his plan for us. We all like to have things that make us happy, especially at this time. If we're children, we've probably all made our requests to Santa and we'll be looking forward to what he may bring if we've had the good fortune to be able to see Santa, of course, even through a perspex screen. We all want people and things around us that make us happy and feel secure. And the things of this world are signs of God's goodness to us. After all, the church in one of her prayers for Advent asks God that as we walk amid passing things, you will teach us by them to love the things of heaven. But there has to be a clear understanding of the limit of what I can have before material things start to control me. We all know nowadays the adage that we are what we eat. But it's also true that we become what we worship. And this is the problem for ancient Israel and why the prophet Isaiah calls for a clear path to be prepared for the coming of God. Israel had gone over to the worship of idols, of false gods, And this is an important principle in our spiritual lives. We become conformed to that which we consider 
of highest value. We become what we worship. And false worship was a problem for Israel then, as it's a problem now. How we consider wealth, or honour, or power, or sensuality, and how we become conformed to them, even without consciously realising it. So what do you worship? What do I worship? That's the question, always. And that was the question for Isaiah and for the other prophets up to the time of John the Baptist, who railed against the chosen people of God for having put up idols in place of the true God. In the church that Jesus Christ founded, he has given us special signs, which, when we follow them and become immersed in them, not only restore us to freedom from slavery, but we are promised eternal life with them. And one of these seven signs or sacraments is the sacrament of penance, confession. And so I'd like to remind all of us, from the smallest child to the most senior member of the parish family, that we are each in need of this grace which the sacrament alone can give us. Over the days preceding Christmas, there'll be ample opportunity to receive this sacramental grace. Because it's not merely the most Catholic way to prepare for a festival, but it's also the most important way. If the world wants it to go about its business at this time, having nothing more than a great winter holiday, we at least have to be the ones who know what it is all about and prepare that fitting dwelling place, a place, a way, a straight way in our souls for God. Now, following an old and beautiful tradition, many families start to set up their crib immediately following the feast of the Immaculate Conception of Mary, as if to relive with her those days of anticipation before the birth of Jesus. And putting up the crib at home can be a simple but effective way of presenting the faith and transmitting it to our children. So long as you make sure, of course, this year, that the figures are socially distanced and there's sufficient sanitizer for shepherds and kings. But all jokes apart, the manger helps us to contemplate the mystery of God's love, who revealed himself in the poverty and simplicity of the cave at Bethlehem, so that we can celebrate well, not a winter holiday, but Christ and the Mass, which together give us Christmas. Let us pray. O God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's Nativity, enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.